0: Welcome all
1: you gorillas and palookas to Bibbo's B-movies! These are some of my favorite films, and I hope that- Hey, pipe down! I'm trying to intro a movie over here! Thank you, Bibbo, that is right. We have a special treat for you this week on All-Star Superfan. Bibbo's B-movies is a special side show that we're going to do from time to time where we look at movies and TV episodes that are so bad, they are great. Uh, A lot of them, like tonight's movie, will be Superman related, but from time to time as well we might look at other comic book movies and shows, and uh, the more the merrier. Uh, Joining me as always is Midland Movie Buff and Judd Nelson superfan, Mr. Alan Burke. How are you keeping,
2: sir? I used to work at a video store named Movie Buff, believe it or not. Wow! (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll tell you, and it's slightly related to my experience with this movie as well, so uh, I'll talk about that later on. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Perfect, excellent. Um. Yes, well, you've given it away that tonight we are reviewing the all-time classic sort of Superman spin-off, the 1997 movie Steel. Uh, and to help us do that, we are joined uh, at long last by tonight's guest from the And Why Not podcast, longtime listener and friend of the show, Stuart Mulrain. Welcome, Stuart. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? We are stealing ourselves for a heck of a time. <laughs>
2: oh, it's going to be a long record.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, Alan, do you want to do the social, the social medias?
2: Yeah, sure. Everybody, if you want to get in contact with us, it's all stars at all star on Facebook and Instagram at all on Twitter. And you can email us with your thoughts and opinions, uh, either email or a voice note, whatever you prefer to at all star super at gmail.com. And um, we'll uh, hopefully read out your your letters, and your voice notes in the next Metropolis Mailbag segment that we do.
1: Absolutely. And um, we're delighted to be getting quite a few more of those. So keep them coming. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so, so I suppose let's just jump right into a gang. Just as an overview, the synopsis is a military scientist takes to the streets as a high-tech crusader when his work on a formidable new weapon is hijacked. When a version of his weapon, which neutralizes enemies without killing them, starts appearing in the outside world, he dons a special suit and transforms himself into a cartoon-style superhero. We really shouldn't read the IMDb ones. They're so bad. Um... The, the movie was written and directed by Kenneth Johnson. Do you gentlemen know who Kenneth Johnson is?
3: Yes. Uh, the, kind of. Um, Incredible Hulk TV series. Yeah. Yes. And he's basically a TV guy.
1: Not that you what? could tell from
2: this
3: film.
1: Are, are you guys fans of, of the Incredible Hulk TV
2: show? I watched it uh, in one of its Irish reruns, I think. I don't know if it's ever been on Irish television, but I I, has, yeah. I definitely saw it in a rerun format in the early 90s. Um, I think I actually started off with the TV movie where he falls out of the helicopter and dies at the end. And then I went back and kind of saw. All yeah. I really remember from it is the really sad kind of. I'm walking down the road on my own music that used love to play it. at the end of every episode. I <laughs> um, love it, but yeah, yeah. They, references are, they referenced it in the recent episode of She-Hulk too. They kind of did a, a homage to the, the intro of it and it was so good. I really that enjoyed was,
1: it. That was so, so good. Uh, oh, I loved that. Well, what about you, Stuart? Are you familiar with the show?
3: Yes, I've got the DVD box set somewhere and um, I used to watch it on IT. I want to say it was on ITV in the afternoons. I remember the movie being on. I remember it scaring the shit out of me as a little kid. Because I didn't yeah. fully now, know what the hell is was this going
1: the, on. The pilot movie now, or the TV movies? The
3: pilot movie that's got um,
2: yeah clips from Jewel cut into it. Oh well, I believe May, maybe it was ITV that I watched it on then, because I would have had ITV back then as well. Maybe it was ITV.
3: Yeah, I'm sure. Like in the late eighties, early nineties, it used to be on Saturday afternoon yeah. before Baywatch and all that stuff came on.
1: I oh. um I definitely watched it in Ireland on repeats in um. I think it was either the late 90s or the early 2000s. We'd moved into our new house when I first started watching it. And uh, yeah, I, I remember enjoying it. it. It It is one of those old kind of procedural detective shows where, you know, every episode is like ruthlessly standalone. <laughs> and yeah. like they're often kind of, they're, they're kind of uh, done like movies where, y- you know, the, the, the guest of the week will, will have a huge emotional arc throughout the episode. And you're supposed to care for them you know the same way you would like a regular character and it can be exhausting to try and go back and binge it what i will say though is bill bixby is absolutely box office in that show he's the best bruce banner ever or well he's david banner in the show but uh he is so good but uh the, the reason i bring it up is it is very evident uh that the guy who wrote that show wrote wrote this movie <laughs> because it a lot feel of the like same a TV pilot a bit on it it totally feels like a TV pilot, yeah. and also like there's a lot of the same kind of like I will we'll get into it in a minute. Um, I want to ask, um, what your experiences watching this movie for the first time were, Stuart? We'll start with you. What 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 experiences did you have watching this
3: movie? Um, I remember it coming out. I had like a sci-fi now magazine that had like a. That I tried to find before recording this, but I can't find it. It's buried in a load of stuff in the loft. Um, I had like a preamble for it, building up the hype, interviewing the director and Shaq and all that about it. Um, and then it mm. just disappeared it never seemed to actually come out here it probably did yeah. but never anywhere locally for me um then i caught it on i want to say it was on channel five on saturday or sunday afternoon I'm, i want to say they double billed it with the 97 justice league movie so Ooh. Oof, channel five had a crap afternoon but um i remember watching it then and i thought it was an absolute pile of shit <laughs> um i remember <laughs> when i worked at hmv one of the guys was Got it off of iTunes or something and was watching it on his break. I was like, are you watching Steel? And he was like, yeah. I was like, all right, good luck. <laughs> um, and then, Amazing. yeah, I never retouched it again until watching it for this, which we'll, Alan? we'll get into in a minute. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, so I, I mentioned before, I grew up in a small seaside town called Tremor in the south, uh, on the southeast coast of Waterford. And there was two local video stores. There was Movie Buff, which I ended up working on myself, kind Movie of 2002-2004 loved it Uh, and movie buff was kind of uh they used to it was kind of a smaller premises and it used to get like all the new releases and stuff that's where you'd go to get the new releases of the week because they couldn't keep older stock because they didn't have enough room they used to have to get rid of whatever they had but then there was one literally across the street another video store that was a lot bigger called strand electric and they used to get all types of shit in right you could you'd find some serious gems that's where i found like um the the flash you know trial of the trickster and all that kind of stuff like stuff that you'd never seen in a regular video store um old movies like that and uh i remember being in there one day and i used to love going to strand electric because you would find something that would kind of jump out at you and catch your attention and i remember being in strand electric one afternoon back in 97 and i hadn't heard anything about steel and i saw the box the vhs box on the shelf and I was like is that steel from the comic book from the yeah. Superman comic book so I was like holy shit and I remember taking it reading it and I was like it is you know John Henry Irons it is so I rented it and I remember bringing it back home and watching it and uh there's one kind of maybe two references to Superman in the movie we'll get into yep. them later on um but I, w- I thought it was going to be something very, very different to what it was and <laughs> yeah. quickly forgot about it. It was buried in the back of my mind. But again, like we've said before, we were so starved for superhero movies at the yeah. time. Like there was nothing. There was there was a couple of really solid, what, well, what I thought was solid kind of um, serial-based movies like The Phantom and The Rocketeer and obviously Dick Tracy and stuff. Other than that, the you know Shadow. It was, it was, shadow yeah like the, the joe schumacher batman movies were kind of around i think uh, batman and robin came out around the same time as this yeah. mm. after that there was nothing really around for that whole decade so like it was i was so excited to see a, a steel movie but i i quickly forgot about it to be honest over the years it was yeah. buried in the in the recesses of my mind somewhere <laughs> uh in the back of my mind actually um my
1: own experience i i i vaguely remember seeing this in a video shop at some point in time. Well, I don't know, was it my local extravision or was it was it one of the more like like you were saying, Alan, was it one of the more random kind of kind of back catalogue uh video shops that where you'd get all the kind of weirder random stuff from the eighties and nineties? Um I I would be willing to say that this must not have been released in cinemas over here because no, I, like we would have heard about it, yeah, and I definitely didn't. It must have gone straight to video. The other thing is the toys, like I, I'm only discovering, I only discovered recently that there was an, like an extensive Kenner toy line for this, for this film. They mustn't have come out here either because I would have seen them. Um, I did. I finally got it in a place called Chapters, uh, which is a legendary um, secondhand bookshop yeah, in Dublin. Great. They they also do they they did videos for a long time, and when DVD kind of kicked in, they they would sell videos for pennies. So yeah. when you were a broke teenager, as I was. You'd go to chapters on a Friday. You'd pick up three or four movies and, you know, you'd own them. It was so exciting, you know. So I, I did get steel there when I was about 13 or 14. It was years old at that point. And I have to say, you know, I, I know we had the Spider-Man movies and some of the X-Men movies. It still wasn't anything like it is today. Like there was few superhero movies that you could just throw in and watch at a, at a given time, especially DC movies. Yeah. And um, I remember kind of enjoying it. I, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a bit of fun. Like it was, it's obviously cheesy. It's a shame that it wasn't connected to Superman, but I I had a bit of fun with it, you know. Um, but like, I'd
2: really equate it to like the pilot episode of the Robocop TV series or the pilot <laughs> yeah. episode of Flash 90 kind of like it's that kind of wheelhouse yeah. that it's almost like a pilot that wasn't picked up that they released on VHS.
3: Yeah, if you like 90s TV, you'll love this because it's all those hallmarks. The,
1: the budget for the movie was like $15 million. million but I was kind I of think. thinking in my head. Or, yeah. I was like, $10 million of that must have gone to Shaq. Because yes. <laughs> the rest of the movie looks like, as you said, Alan, it literally looks like it cost about as much as the, the Flash pilot. Like, it doesn't... When, and, and that is better, by the way. <laughs> like, when we when,
2: when we had Matt on for our Superman Returns episode, he spoke about the uh, I think he, the word he used was transformative experience he had while watching <laughs> Superman Returns. So I, I'm really excited to see which one of us had that uh, similar experience watching it this time. <laughs> yeah. So I
1: suppose uh, let let, let, let uh, do do you want to kind of start us off in terms of uh, you know mapping out the plot of the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it because that that probably is a lot of people. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So the, the basic story uh, of the plot is that John Henry Irons works for the military. He's a, a kind of an engineering genius. He, he himself, and who I presume, guys, uh, he he has a friend in the military called Sparky. Uh, she's a, a lady friend of his, very similar to Oracle. Yeah. In like yeah. she en- she ends up in a wheelchair. She's kind of the the girl in the chair, kind of doing all the at the mm. computer, doing all the kind of the computer stuff and hacking into things and stuff like that so maybe maybe i'm reading too much into it but that's the kind of impression i got um so basically they're in the military and they come up with uh these new kind of next generation weapons hypersonic weapons and all that kind of stuff and there's a a very evil member of the Breakfast Club, uh, who uh, messes around with weapons. There's a weapons test. Someone is killed. Um, Sparky is injured, and there's a big trial. And uh, John Henry Irons testifies against uh, Nathaniel Burke, played by um, Judd Nelson. And uh, what happens is that he he decides to leave the, the military after the accident, after this accident, after this whole debacle happens. Uh, Nathaniel Burke ends up developing these weapons for street gangs and for crime on, on the street. Is it? It's not Metropolis. I can't. Just, no, it's, I L- no, exactly it, LA. It, it's it, it is it's LA. The yeah. most
3: deserted LA you'll ever see
2: on film. You'll ever see. And Jack.
3: I was
1: trying to think, Stuart, you you might know this. Are, was it filmed in LA, or are we doing a Toronto job on this? I feel like it must have been because he was playing for the Lakers at the time. They're
3: not going to. Yeah, I feel it. I'm pretty it was sure LA. it was LA because I think a lot of the things that yeah. like you can see where they shut off the street. <laughs>
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, Alan. Uh, so but, uh, so. Nathaniel Burke teams up with other criminals. They he develops these weapons, and they're released onto the streets. Shaq sees what's happening, and he decides to develop a similar kind of weapons himself and a suit of armor to go out and take on these guys and get the weapons off the street. That's the 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 by the numbers uh, explanation of it.
1: But before we continue, actually, Alan, um, and I'm sorry I didn't bring this up at the start of the episode. Uh, I just want to congratulate my co-host, Alan Burke. He actually reached out to one of the stars of this film to work out a sponsorship deal. So we, I, I'm very proud to say that All-Star Superfan is now sponsored by Raycon Earbuds. So, Alan, thanks so
2: much for organising that. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Steward's like, Wait, what? I can see Stuart's like, No, I, I, I generally thought you were going to say <laughs> Dermatics. <down> <laughs> what?
3: You didn't. You didn't email them. Uh,
2: for those for for those who don't know, Ray J's in this movie, ladies and gentlemen. Star,
1: the, the star of one of Alan's other favorite films, yeah. Kim Kardashian superstar. I'll cut that out if you want me to.
2: No, leave it in. Leave it in. Um, well, he certainly did. <laughs> Sorry, and we've just sorry. we've lost like eighty percent of our listeners. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's 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 a pretty straightforward plot. It's a, it's a pretty straightforward setup. Um, it has absolutely nothing to do with death of Superman, reign of the Superman. Really, no. there's no kind of link there at all. If you. It is an oddity, but if you if, if that's the reason that you wanted to get it to, to check out, you know, to see something related to that storyline, forget about it. It's got nothing well, to do with that.
1: Well, I, I will disagree there, Alan, insofar as uh, he is bolstered to become steel by the death of someone. <laughs> it just yeah. isn't, su- well, kind of. It, it's not Superman, it's Dylan McKay's... Uh, a uh, estranged. Um, so, sorry. So, if anyone watches Beverly Hills 90210, which I seem to reference a lot on this show, <laughs> you do. Dylan gets Dylan gets swindled out of his millions in season four by a woman who is the mother of his uh, his stepsister, and uh, she's she plays the United States senator, senator who dies who dies at the start of this movie. Um, yeah, and if
2: you're going to replace Superman with someone, you know, nameless oh, senator yeah. lady is it's the, the one. <laughs> I think
3: it's the cop. His cop friend when he sees her get injured by him. That's true. I that's, that's what fires him up. A, he, he doesn't oh, really yeah, seem to right. give a shit about the senator. It's only because um, Sparky <laughs> got crippled that he.
2: Well, well, he he did testify against. Uh, he does testify against Burke. And to be in fair, that trial. senator
3: did go to Burke. Yeah. yeah, crank it up. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sounds crank great. Notch, yeah. Go yeah. ahead. So, crank it up um, to what,
2: eleven for those uh, Spinal Tap fans out there. <laughs> spinal Tap, very apt. Um,
1: the uh, I I think Jordan Nelson plays a serviceable poor man's Lex Luthor in this. I, I I think he's definitely, it feels like a TV, it feels like a Lois and Clark villain. Like, all the way down to the, the you know, the, the bullshit sonic blaster weapon. You know, it ju- it's just made for TV.
2: that. Well, I have a practical. question. I have a question for the two of you. Is Judd Nelson a good actor?
3: Ooh, there's a uh, spicy he's, one. He's a very Judd Nelson actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i that's, mean he's great that's, as Hot that's a in spicy the movie. that's probably the most because he usually plays sleazy guys doesn't he because he's got those um yeah it's like sent almost fire his characters i mean you're not really supposed to like him anyway but he's just got this intense look like he's kind of like he's kind of a the yuppie guy in on that you. isn't he yeah yeah he, he's, he's, kind he's, kind he's the, the republican yuppie guy, guy so
2: 'Cause I think he, all I know him from is St Elmo's Fire. I'm a huge eighties mm-hmm. uh, movie buff. St Elmo's Fire and obviously The Breakfast Club is his is his yeah. big, big role that everything. He has my all time
3: favourite bit in the man on um man in motion video so that went with uh, St Elmo's Fire. Where um, oh, right. as Johnny Powers sung to everybody and then they're walking off, Judd Nelson walks behind him, he's got a look in his eyes like I'm gonna fucking kill cool, you man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all in his eyes it's like he'd rather be anywhere else but this music video.
2: I haven't. I haven't seen him in anything in a long time.
3: He was in. Was it Veronica's closet? He was in for a long time in the nineties, and then he, he was, in was definitely in of Bob Strike Back*. Was he? Yeah, he was the sheriff. The let's all Did go he back to the station the and corner some drunks. Was that not? No, that's Judd I Nelson. I it was
1: Diedrich Bader. No, no, Isn't that's that not
3: Judd right? Nelson. Be- uh, Deidre Bader was the security guard.
1: The security guard. You're right. Yes, ah, you are. Judd right. Nelson's okay, the sheriff okay. who teams
3: up with. Bill Farrell mm. when they're chasing Jane on a bob.
1: Okay, I need to go back and rewatch. I I think he's kind of one of those. He's kind of baby faced, and yeah. I think it worked really well when he was playing like a teen heartthrob or college kind of thing. But once once he kind of got like well into his thirties, he just looks a bit silly. Like he like he's he comes across as badass rather
3: than sinister. <laughs> yeah,
1: like he's doing these kind of sinister looks in this movie, and you're like, you can't take him seriously. He's just this. This yeah, short little man. He's all, he's all leather
2: jackets in this as well. Like oh, the, the, leather, the brown leather Alan. jacket.
1: I have written down in my notes <laughs> that the leather jacket in Judd Nelson wears in that scene in Steel is the most 1996 jacket I have ever seen. There is an entire cow's worth of leather on that collar.
2: You want it? You want it? I can I, see it in your I eyes. Do. you want
3: it? I do want it, Alan. I do. I, I do um, love the slimy little wavy he gives to the woman as the elevator door
2: shut. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. And to be honest, I I liked him. He was hammy. He's hammy in it. And it's it's all over the top. But he seems to... I, I, I watched one review of it where there were like he kind of phones it in and he he's not really invested in it. I think he had a bit of fun with it. I think I he, think he did, he's exactly yeah. the villain this film deserves, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily mean that
3: in a bad way. But I think if you'd have had like a John Shea or something like that. Yeah. Like properly oh, thrown in a performance...
1: Yeah. The, there's a bit there's a bit when they get into an elevator right and the whole thing is the the, the, it's the most 90s thing ever the guy who owns the video arcade also big Willy.
3: sells big willie <laughs>
1: big willie for some reason also <laughs> sells weapons on the side and they the the lady goes into the elevator to go to the lower level and the button to get to the lower level is ll and i was thinking oh would it have been so hard would it have been so hard to just say shared universe lex luthor Joe Nelson is working for Lex Luthor Maybe John Shea is
2: there for one scene
1: Or or someone else Like you know connected what, to the
2: Nicolas Cage movie What do you think the story so is hard? here Could they reference Like I know there is references There's, there's two very brief references to Superman There's yeah. his tattoo
3: and then there's um, Richard Roundtree says You're not Superman and you You're ain't getting Superman, paid you know? yeah. um, Does
2: Superman exist in this universe No I don't think so <sighs> I think, for
1: all intents and purposes, they designed it so that he didn't. But I'd like to think that he does.
3: Because Why not? the cop also re- references the Batcave, which seems like something only yeah, Batman would but... know about. It feels to me but like it's the, the Flash TV series where they go to the cinema to watch the Batman yeah. movie and he calls yeah. his reporter friend That's, Lois what, I'm Stuart, That's what I'm thinking. Stuart, I would
1: say, I know what you're saying about the Batcave, but in the 60s show and presumably the Schumacher movies and a lot of kind of like more campy versions of Batman. Everybody knows about the Batcave. They yeah, just don't I know suppose. where it is. So it could be that. The only thing that uh, that firmly suggests that Batman and Superman and all that are fictional characters is the Batman Forever arcade game. Yeah. is in the background. I got that in my notes. But again, but again, <laughs> I, maybe I Batman north. is just, maybe he's just a public superhero in this universe. And well, there's it's just, just the Schumacher, Schumacher of universe. And, we
3: know he wanders around in broad daylight where everybody can take photos yeah. of him. Yeah. He fucking appears so, and testifies in court <laughs> in the Schumacher So, universe. you know,
1: Dean Cain, Superman, Val Kilmer, Batman could be canon as far as I'm concerned. I know the movie, Kenneth Johnson is one of these guys who tries to take everything, like with the Incredible Hulk show. I, I, in fairness, I think he did it quite well there, he, but he did water down a lot of stuff. Like he called him David Banner instead of Bruce Banner because he thought Bruce sounded gay. and But also he didn't like alliteration in comic book names, which I guess makes sense. And then he, he took out a lot of other stuff. You know he's doing the same thing here, and I think he's doing it because he
2: doesn't like comic books. Well, this I, I, this a, steel guy could definitely live in the Lois and Clark universe. Yeah,
3: yeah.
2: I, yeah. I think oh, yeah. I, this is a
3: time when, they, and even the Timber and Batman films are very loose adaptations of the source material. This is very much where you just yeah. use those as a jumping off point. To, yeah. Um. Yeah. But to be, and I don't think anybody thought about shared universes beyond like what Bruce Tim was doing with the animated stuff. I don't think anybody, yeah. it wasn't until, I mean, let's not forget how excited we all got when Val Kilmer says that the circus must be halfway to metropolis and Batman forever. And everybody yeah, in the yeah. know was like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh.
1: well, in fairness, a previous episode, Supergirl, that was definitely a shared universe. Yeah. Cause you had Mark McClure and all that, but, but in, in every other respect, I agree. Um, the only thing I would say is that, like, even though Superman's not in it and the death of Superman and all that isn't in it, Otherwise, it's it's a fairly uh, faithful-ish, you know, depiction of Steel's origin. The broad strokes mm-hmm. are kind of there. Well, yeah, because the thing like, that
3: inspires he, him to become Steel in the comics is that he sees Toastmasters on the street. Yes. That's, yeah that's yeah. what makes him arm up in that. So, I mean, they've taken that basic jumping off point. Part of me does think it would have been quite cool if they, this could have existed in a world where Superman had died. And then he saw that and he was you could have said it in Metropolis where Superman's died.
2: But like, do you yeah. think that there, there's restrictions in place here? Do you think they were told, right, you can use steel and you can have the tattoo, but you can't mention anything else? Because if they could mention other things, th- why didn't they just mention I other I think things? it probably
3: was, because I think this is mm. around the time they were still trying to get the Nick Cage film off the ground. Well, this was rough. 97 yeah, yeah. was when the Nick Cage film pretty much died, didn't it? It was yeah. well well, around then. 97, it, 98 s- was when it was the final nail before they moved on to Flyby or whatever That's the next right. iteration was. Um,
1: they they halted production after summer 97 so and, oh yeah i think this is one of the films they list as being part of the reason yeah. why warner brothers halted production because this bombed so badly because they a they didn't
3: want it's like um the arrowverse couldn't use superman for the longest time because they were trying to do film Ugh. stuff with it and I believe random rags was originally supposed to be blue beetle in, yeah because they were teasing ted cord in the previous season of arrow and then when he finally came in, he yeah. was Ray Palmer instead. I believe that was because they were trying to develop a either Booster Gold, Blue Beetle film, or a Blue Beetle solo film.
2: It it really it really did bomb. I'm looking at it here. Its entire run, 1.7 million US, uh, compared Ooh. to say Batman and Robin, which made more than that in its opening weekend it was about and closed million at in its opening two, weekend, two, wasn't it? Yeah, cl- Batman and Robin closed at 240 million. Um, so yeah, it dollars. it did bomb yes. Now you can't compare Steel with the Batman and Robin. You know, I know no, ba- you know it's 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 water and oil. Like they're they just it's two different things. I, I do wonder it's if Michael
3: what... Jordan and Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do wonder with what's gone on recently with Warner Brothers, whether you know this would have been the Batgirl of its day had
2: possible interesting. Because
3: by all yeah. accounts, Batgirl was like you know a high budget TV movie. It was too high yeah. budget for it to be a TV thing and too low budget to be a film. To and this sort film, of feels yeah. like it sits a little bit in between this because the budget, even by 97 standards, seems quite high Yeah, you know, for a TV yeah. thing. And it yeah. does... It looks better than... I'd equate this probably being as closest to maybe the Flash pilot. The, I think... It, yeah, I I, I think Wesley it's Ship Flash.
1: very similar. Very similar in look to the, the Flash pilot in terms of what they achieve Visually and so sort on, of that it's very similar to the Flash Pilot. But the 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 only glimpses of a budget you see are like that. There's a helicopter explosion in one bit, which looks cheap. I want Should I want I wanna, to I wanna
2: talk about. I want to talk about that later on. I want to <laughs> oh, talk yeah, about yeah. a helicopter explosion. Okay.
1: Okay. Okay. Where were, did did we recap the
2: movie? I forget. Yeah. yeah so exploded. I just gave just just a general overview, but you, we, we, I just we get a set up
3: you, so it doesn't spoil it for anybody that yeah. does want to. <laughs> <laughs> you oh, you yeah,
2: mentioned spoilers. it. You mentioned earlier, Stuart. Richard Roundtree. Yeah. is in it. Like, Shaft himself.
3: (laughs) Never mind
2: that. John Hawks is in this.
3: Oscar-nominated John Hawks is in this film as the mugger. Oh, that's who that is. He was in The Sessions and Winter's Bone. Jesus, I didn't
2: even notice that. Because
3: I was like, the older cop that he saves from the helicopter falling was in a couple of the Fast and Furious movies. Um, You got Hill Harper from um, CSI New York in it. I was like, that's that guy, that's that guy, that's that guy.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, lest we forget, legendary character actor Charles Napier yeah. is is in this movie. A stalwart presence of film and television. It's the only like, way you can go. No out of film has
3: beating you to death, though, isn't it?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. No film with him in it, or or TV show with with him in it, is is devoid of merit. I think he's he's go, great as ever. He plays a general called, or no, he plays a, a colonel, Colonel David. Yeah. And interesting fact for Superman fans out there. He uh, was in an episode of Lois and Clark. He was. And he was also in two episodes of uh, the animated series, uh, also playing an army general. And he was in an episode of Justice League, playing the same general, Hardcastle, apparently. So he, he kind of connects it all together. And he's in several episodes of The Incredible Hulk Show, and he's in The Incredible Hulk Returns, which is the one with Thor. Uh, so he, he's, a, he's a proud tradition of kind of superhero stuff. Uh, and I always love seeing him. Yeah. My, my favorite thing that he's in is Austin Powers, uh, when he he kind of again plays a general, and uh, I, I think he's he's part of that bit where that they're all looking at something that looks like a cock. <laughs> That's it. The same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say the one of the things more more so than the Superman link not being explicit, um, the thing that annoys me the most about Steel the movie is that he can't... He doesn't have any kind of, like, jet boots or boosters or anything like that. No. And, you know, I, I would understand if they're trying to keep the budget down and they don't think they can accomplish, you know, like, flying effects and all that. But there's literally a scene where he pulls out a grappling hook and it's basically the same thing as flying. Like, he, he flies off into the air and you're like, could we not just say that he has a... A, you know a thruster or something like that well, he's able to fly a for 15 on the
3: back seconds when Beth um, wheelchair at the end
1: yeah <laughs> they do, it's yeah.
3: like
1: why not just say that he can fly he for that so one bit
3: stupid going off on that grapple and line as well <laughs> he does it looks the like an act, know like you just like, like dangle your batman action figure from a bit of string <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: do you remember that old uh, that old kenner um 1989 <laughs> batman figure with the yellow rope belt yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah it's exactly like that oh, oh wh- goodness what did you guys think of the suit. The, the Very nice rubber
3: suit. suit. Yeah. it's, it's point, on, you... I mean, i got the comic figure, and you look yeah. at that suit and how cool that looks. I, yeah. I get that, you know, the mask makes zero sense in the comics. It's like, how does he have any expression if it's a metal yeah. mask? But, And I get that, you know, you possibly couldn't have done that. But it's the fact that these bits of his helmet sort of wiggle, the bits by his jaw <laughs> wiggle when he talks. And...
2: Oh and and that mask, that helmet doesn't make any sense in the film because just shoot him in the face. Yeah. Now, I know you could say that about Batman and Robocop and everybody else as well, but yeah. it just seemed to be even more exposed this time, I thought.
1: Yeah, no, I, I've written down a Ruby's Robocop uh, costume yeah. that you get in the Halloween shop 25% off the day after Halloween because it's a bit shit. Uh, yeah. it's, it's quite bad. The thing that annoys me about it isn't even that it's rubber or that it looks rubber or the the, as Stewart said, the bit of the mask that flopping all over his face, it's the kind of chainmail undersuit he wears underneath it, and like you can see that like his entire palm his is exposed <laughs> when he's doing the finger. It was like, why did they do that? Like that's not even a budget thing. That's just a design
3: thing. Like, the, why did they ever think that would look good? It looks dreadful. What's it? Because you get this um, big reveal of him in the suit, and you're like, it's got the music swells and everything. I was yeah. just sitting there watching. It. I was like, I don't think this reveal is as impressive as they think it is. No, it's, it's one of those suits that, like, might have
1: kind of looked sort of good if they lit it right, but they don't. No. Like, it's, yeah. Everything's, like, floodlit for the entire movie, and, yeah, the helmet just looks like it's made. It, like, it literally looks like what they make those Rubies costumes out of, just that sort of cheap, rubbery nastiness. And when he's sweating, like, there's a bit where he's taking the suit off and he's sweating, and, like, he really looks like he's sweating, and then you're like, oh, yeah, it's because it's, it's all that rubber and he's in L.A., <laughs> like...
3: It's, it's such a bad step in costuming. Because yeah. you think of how good the John Wesley ship costume looked for The Flash. I know it's a different yeah. beast, but yeah. you think yeah. of how good that looked on a weekly TV budget. And that was red
1: as well. Yeah. Red is like, that's a risky color. Like, that is a much bigger chance of looking terrible. Whereas this is like steely gray. That's like the ideal color you want yeah. for there something. There are like bits this. where
3: it looks good, but it's when yeah. he's not moving, it's when he's posing.
1: I feel like Alan's about to drop a serious
2: rant about this. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Do it. I I was just thinking to myself, I I can completely understand why they didn't give him the red cape.
3: Yeah.
2: And I can kind of understand why they didn't give him the S-Shield as well, because it would invite too many questions. Yeah, but he lost the S-Shield, didn't he, in the comics after? He had a different S-Shield, I think, at one point, but... But yeah, overall, it, it it does. Like you said, Stuart, that whole thing with the helmet—you could see them moving the whole time. It was just—it was rough. It was—it wasn't great. As as superhero costumes go, it's probably one of the worst. I've seen. And you have to remember the '90s. Fair enough, we didn't have too many superhero films coming out, but what we did have coming out, there were some great costumes. Like, yeah. uh, Billy Zane's Phantom costume yeah. is top that's tier, amazing. in my opinion. I think that's an amazing, amazing costume. That's going up uh, for auction. I was like, if I had the money, that'd be the one I'd I get. I saw it. I watched Martin Lakin's... Uh, yeah, I Martin watched the same thing. Yeah, he went to the prop store there with the boys from Cape Wonder Europe, and you could see the, the, the Billy Zane costume in the back. I was like, oh. Um was You know, uh, obviously, Dick Tracy had the trench coat, but you had um the the Rocketeer suit. The Batman suits, yeah. obviously, were amazing. I know their, their budget was far greater yeah. than this but like even tv wise you know the the, the costumes were were alright like they were pretty okay i will say it is better than the justice league costumes well the,
3: the green lantern one and the flash yeah. one in that particularly is awful awesome. but then i think it's the yeah. build of the actors as well with that martian manhunter in that is ridiculous <laughs> I, th- I like that Green Lantern in that thing. The Mint Lantern, as people call him. He's- it's, it's all right. It's not the worst offender. Like I say, the Flash one in that is the worst offender. The Flash one is bad. And, and, Martian, and Manhunter. Martian Manhunter. Because it's David yeah. Ogden's deers yeah. under it. And you're like, really? Why?
2: Have we discovered our second Bibbo's B-movie? You better <laughs>
1: believe it, Alan. You <laughs>
2: better believe it. Just I'm surprised that
1: wasn't our first, to be honest. Weirdly, that one's Jamed never got a Archive release. <laughs> <laughs> J.M. Dematteis was so nice about that when we asked him about it. He he wouldn't shit on it at all because you know he said at, at the end of the day it's still a a creative you know working on something really hard and they yeah. were probably working with what they had. He he gave such a he made me he
2: made me feel like. Um uh, like you know he's such a he's such a better person than the two of us to be yeah, oh yeah we're turn. shitting on people I'm all the time shit all and over he was that like thing. you know That's someone great. worked on it and you know things that sometimes these things don't work out and whatever he was such a he, he was such a big person about it uh, yeah, such a I mean actually off
3: topic I think to be fair they were going for like a formerly known as the Justice League mixed with friends vibe with that and it just because yeah, it was meant to be a TV yeah. series wasn't it that was actually a pilot Um, they just took a swing and it missed uh, <laughs>
1: On the topic of comics creators and their thoughts on movie adaptations of their work, I reached out to Steel co-creator John Bogdanov a couple of years ago about this movie. Um, on Facebook, I said, "John, I'm a huge fan of your work. Uh, at the time, I was reading the Mullet era of Superman stuff, and he um, drew a lot of those comics. Absolutely loved them. I asked him what did he think of the Steel movie because I said that." I think it actually does a pretty good job of capturing the spirit of John Henry Irons, even though it's objectively not a very good movie. And he responded, I both love and hate that movie. I'm deeply grateful to Shaq for getting it made. Uh, While there are some genuinely charming moments, I can't help feeling a bit resentful that nobody even consulted Louise or myself. I think if they had us in the room, even for an afternoon steel might not have come out feeling like a 1970s tv movie i think in spite of owing his immortality to the hulk kenneth johnson suffers from a bad case of geek shame and it shows in his inability
3: to trust the source material or original creators Ooh, well that was the weird thing with 90s movies wasn't it it was like they were ashamed they yeah. were comics it's like even in like yeah, the yeah. Batman, opening, batman opening credits it's based on characters published in dc magazines and Yeah, but John Bogdanov and Louis Simonson did work on the adaptation along with Dick. Look, Stuart is holding it up for
1: us there. I didn't know there was an adaptation for this. I I I didn't. So I was Googling
3: where I could find the film to watch and fell down a rabbit hole. I think it was when you set me on the path of looking for toys, which are ridiculously expensive. So
2: (laughs) that's a shame. I don't. I I just present, I, I don't understand how you can and it's a real thing it's a real issue I I find with a lot like we cover the other program Superboy and all that kind of stuff and and to be fair to Superboy it's the one that does it where they kind of have comic writers writing episodes and that kind of stuff but there's so many other films and that where they don't um, engage with the comic book writers or the creators at all I don't understand how you can put you know Louis Simonson and John on the credits you know they have yeah. it, like it's in the credits at the start created by and then not even call them or pick Consult. up the phone or say, hey, do you want to come down to the set and go through some stuff with us? Or do you want to come down? You know, that that boggles my mind. I do hope that they, by putting them in the,
1: the credits at the top there, I hope they got a lovely big bag of cash, even if it was only like $5,000 each or something. I, I hope that was given to them because you'd, you, you would hope that, you know,
2: it doesn't yeah. always happen.
1: Sometimes it does. So maybe, I don't know.
2: Out of all the characters that were around at the time, why do you think it was a steel movie that was made, Shaquille O'Neal?
3: I think yeah, I think it was the Shack factor, and I think he was possibly out of the so- Superman characters in particular was probably the easiest one to adapt without having to rely on Superman because yeah. you couldn't do Superboy, and you, I mean, you could do the Eradicator, but it'd be a real stretch to,
2: yeah, pull that. I like
3: referencing Superman.
2: It was when I, I think, was, when I saw the credits and I noticed that Quincy Jones was a producer yeah. on it. I wondered, did he have a big, I didn't look into it, but I was just wondering, did he have a big kind of a say in what was going on or did he put in a lot of cash towards it or something, you know, because I know that he was heavily involved with kind of, you know, not promoting like black heroes and that, but, you know, mm. kind of the black communities and disenfranchised communities and stuff that maybe you know, a black super because at the time there wasn't that. There wasn't any around. Like, I mean, I think no, it's the year before Blade well. came out yeah, around the same Spawn time. Was
3: Ninety-seven as well, yeah. but then obviously, and Blade was in and development. then Blade was in development obviously. and came out in ninety-eight. Um, I did read a bit on it because They went to Shack with a different character, and he said that he was more, saw himself more as Steel. But yeah. I honestly can't like, remember even where if, I read that now.
1: If you look at some of John Bogdanov's artwork, uh, you can tell that he was trying to draw Steel to look like either michael jordan or, Sha- or shaq yeah. like even yeah. the way he holds himself and some like he looks like a basketball player a lot so i'm sure they must have been you know actively trying to that they, they saw this as a vehicle for shaq and that's why i got Was shaq I a basketball think. I, player
3: because think... there's nothing in this film that gives you any
2: idea <laughs> <laughs> what what Stuart is referencing there <laughs> is the repeated or the ongoing gag throughout the entire film of uh shaq making free throw shots and missing them because he had a, a reputation of, of being poor at free throws when he played for the Lakers. And then the whole climax of the film uh, it revolves around him throwing a grenade through a tiny hole in a window of, of a wooden room, room
3: that you could easily smash away. Of, his way of, out of, of a wooden
2: room. The long, the that grenade, guys, had the longest fucking fuse <laughs> that I had ever <laughs> encountered in my life. The guy throws it into the room and closes the door, and they have a solid 30, 40 seconds to get that grenade out of the hole. It's <laughs> out totally out worth through the window. it for that guy's reaction when he sees the grenade room. He
3: just goes, no.
2: And I wanted to talk about that guy as well. With the voice, was the voice real oh, yeah. or was that put on?
3: Yes, I.
2: That guy is
1: such a bad actor that I was like, is he a basketball player as well? And I had to look him up, and he isn't.
3: He's an actor. I think he's in I Frankenstein, and I think he's the lead monster in I Am Legend. I might be wrong. Wow, he's definitely in both of those films. I might be making things sound up. about right. I, I found the little bit of information. Um, it's the film started with Quincy Jones and David Salzman. And they shipped it out. They went to Shaquille O'Neal. They wanted to do Hardware, the Milestone comic. They wanted to do an adaptation of that. But um, Shaq said that he related more to being steel. So they pushed forward okay. with steel instead of hardware. Because, again,
2: this was around the time Milestone was... And is Shaq himself a big Superman fan? The kind of way that you know, like Nick is, and other people are. He like, is a like, huge Superman fan. Like I remember the MTV
1: Cribs episode. Like he has a Superman room, and I, I think he has a cape from. I think he has a Christopher Reeve cape, and he has like a big like S shield over the wall in 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 his okay. in his in his own personal basketball. Is arena the tattoo also. real? Tattoo is real. Yep, yeah.
2: he still has that tattoo, and you see him with it all the time. Yeah, he loves. Speak, speaking 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 of tattoos, did I mention that I uh, I got my first ever tattoo this week, Stuart? No, ladies and gentlemen, I got a black. It I, I won't show it to you yet because it's not it's not uh, it's not all healed up. But I got a black It's on his ass. I was, gonna say, I was gonna say, is it, is it a tramp stamp? Sorry, <laughs> um, on his lower back. <laughs> yeah, it's just a tramp stamp on my lower back. Yeah, um, no, it's a nice S. No, I got a I got a. I got a black Superman S on my lower right uh, shin there during the week. I, I was on, I was on vacation. There I was on holiday there a couple of weeks ago. And it's something that will be kind of playing around in my mind for a while. Um, and it's completely against character type. I don't like. I'm not a tattoo guy at all. But I was like, "Fuck it! I'm just going to do it." So I I'm, went and I got it done. Yeah, I'm not. I could
3: never decide what I wanted tattooed on me. For what, but I did want the Superman shield here. But then somebody went, "What? Well, like mm. John Bon Jovi?" And I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like because especially at that there- time, it would be more people being like, "Bon Jovi fan?" I like, yeah, I quite like the music, but that's not what this is about. But- yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so Ste- Ste- Steele's one is
1: real. It, it is real, yeah. And they, they work it into the movie, obviously. And I did, oh, do, do you know what? Like, I couldn't resist smiling when Richard Roundtree says, well, I'll be damned. Uh, John Henry Irons has turned himself into a man of steel.
2: I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, to be fair to Shafty, he had some. And good then there's a close up on the
1: tattoo, and you're like, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Love
2: it. I actually, it's really naff, but I really liked his one line. I don't have it written here, where he, he goes on about the shaft with the hammer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, for God's sake. I especially like the shaft. And it's he so. Forced. And goes,
3: what? <laughs> so stupid. I, my, my I don't fa- like that hammer. The head's too small. I know it's quite. Proportionally in the comic, it's not, but it just needed to be a little bit bigger, given how bulky the shaft was. I tell
1: you the the problem with the hammer is he never used it as a hammer once in the entire film. It's always used as a gun, which is such a shame because the hammer is interesting. It's different. Like, well, it's it's, it's not that different. It's kind of a copy of
2: Thor. But Steel in the comics is not a character that I'd be as familiar with outside of, say, the death of Superman stuff. I haven't read kind of further on comics really. Mm. So in the comics is the Hammer used like he uses as well. Can he use it as a gun? Can he use it as a magnet? Is there any of that kind of stuff with it? I don't think so. No, I,
1: like he has other gadgets on his armor that he like. He's he has things 7/8. that shoots. Out. He's got gauntlets that shoot out kind of like bolts or like rivet kind of things. Um, so that's kind of the gun feature in his costume. If uh, the hammer's a hammer, yeah, it's just. It's a hammer. Yeah, I don't remember having he, any tech he, the, the way he uses it on the Superman and Lois show is far more accurate yeah. to the comics. Like he throws it like Thor, and I, I think it comes back to him depending on the oh, version. That's cool. Um, but yeah, like and and then I think he has the magnet thing as
2: well in the comics. I kind of like the magnet have, thing in the movie. It it, yeah. it kind of served a good purpose in the film, I thought. <laughs> Although
3: how ridiculous does he look when he's covered in everything? He's in a weird pose. <laughs> he's just I did like shit. the
1: magnet. The, what I didn't like though was how he tricks Judd Nelson so unconvincingly to use oh, it at oh god like, you definitely don't want to turn that red thing it's, don't it's, turn the red thing Judd Nelson and Judd Nelson's like oh now I have to turn and then it automatically goes back to st- st- steal and you're like how did he fall for that
2: it is no more sophisticated than what I do to get my three year old to eat her carrots <laughs> yeah like that is that is literally the level it's at that. oh don't eat that carrot I'm gonna eat that carrot you know it, that's and I'm not even I'm not even exaggerating like that is the level that we were at with that
3: so stupid the, the one thing I do love when he's covered in all that shit that stuck to him is when it comes off a watch falls off him as well I thought that was a nice little touch <laughs>
2: yeah
1: yeah. Uh, watch fans ladies and gentlemen I noticed like Shaq was wearing a Rolex uh, Sus- Sparky was wearing a Rolex Judd Nelson was wearing a Rolex Rolexes left and right like they did they have a
3: product placement deal or what was going I'm guessing on? so either that or the US Army pays considerably well
1: oh my goodness and they're supposed to be like you know, working class people. And you're like, where are all these Rolexes coming from? I thought, you know. Yeah. Um, it was strange. I have to say, for a film starring Shaq, uh, you would just naturally assume, given that he's, you know, a, an athlete and they're big on kind of promotion, promotional Things that's where they make a lot of their money. Well, maybe less so in America where they just paid millions and millions and millions, but like no, I think they get the endorsement, definitely. a whole plot, yeah, thing they, in they get McGuire, the endorsement deals. And <laughs> there isn't a lot of kind of product placement in this movie, like, there's less product placement in this than there is in some of the actual Superman movies. Like, I, I wonder whether the, uh,
3: they read you, the script and were like, nah, we're good, we're passing this. You have uh, a Batman uh, not.
1: <laughs> I, I noticed he was wearing, I think it was a Reebok t shirt, so I'm assuming he had a deal with Reebok. And if you look very, very carefully at his boots, I think they did a Batman 89, and he's wearing sneakers as part of his steel boots. Mm. And I did a little Google search, and apparently he did have the same way Shaq obviously had it, or no, the same way Michael Jordan had the deal with Nike for the Air Jordans. I think Shaq had a deal as well with one of the rival shoe companies, and I feel like he might be wearing those as his kind of steel armor boots. Yeah. So there we go. I can't verify that, but I think that might be the case. If you look very carefully, they do look like sneakers that have been sort of spray painted silver. No, If if
3: anything, Soufflé's got the biggest (laughs) product placement. (laughs) Soufflé's.
1: Black and blue. That actress is is good, actually, by the way. She's
3: in the Coen Brothers' Lady Killers. She's trying to place what I'd seen her in. I mean, she's been in lots of things, but that was probably the one that... Not that there's anything particularly memorable about that film, but...
1: Considering there's an entire scene where they have her whispering to Shaq. That's I think such she does a, a weird pretty choice. Good job. Yeah. It's exactly the kind of scene to just sort of lull you gently to sleep, the two people whispering at each other. So just be careful, you know, make sure you have your wits. Get on your a loop and put and it steal.
3: on YouTube as one of those uh, ASMR videos. Sleep story. Yeah. I,
2: I quite like the fact that she... Um, pretty quickly figured out that, you know, that John was steel because how many seven yes. foot one guys are there running around in Los Angeles that even the villain figures it out straight away as soon as he yeah, sees Yeah, his delivery on that line season.
3: was weird. It threw me initially where he was like, well, who can that be? I started, yeah. really, can you not fucking, especially as it took them so long to work out if the guns are on the street, but all the ones are still with the army and somebody else must be making them. It took them that long to figure out who the fuck it could be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did kind of like that though. Yeah. That like, you know, the, the mask doesn't magically disguise him. Like, everyone sort of knows that it's John Henry. Well, I think it's the fact he's even pretty the, much the only
3: seven foot tall massively built black guy. Yeah, even the kindly
1: Republican couple that get mugged in that scene, like, they just know straight away. <laughs> that that scene
3: is the greatest scene ever, because the way he just goes off on the escalator.
1: <laughs> Y'all be cool now, and he just rides off in the escalator to nowhere. It's like we want it. our
3: Superman flying away after he's rescued the cat from the tree moment, but if we have this happen by an escalator...
2: <laughs> one, of, okay. one of the scenes, one of the scenes that I genuinely did like, and I am a sucker for these kind of scenes because it's the same with uh, Spider Man Two when they have the when you know when the train scene where the, everybody on the train sees uh, Peter Parker's real face and they just give him back his mask and they promise not to tell anybody or whatever. Um, I really like the scene where the cop is go, goes through the the lineup. Uh, yeah, the John Henry Irons has been arrested. <laughs> he, you know, he's noticed, ridiculous. He, he, he knows, like, the lineup is, like, I'm telling you now, that would not hold up in court. Okay, I'm telling might you now. Well right? They white guy in that lineup. It was so yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, but just the fact that the cop sees him, knows it's him, and then uh, doesn't doesn't ID him because he saved him from the helicopter crash, which I also want to talk about. How oh, far yeah. away from that crash was that cop yeah. standing?
3: good 30 feet, isn't it?
2: It's a good 30 feet. He didn't feet. save
1: him at all. He just knocked him over for no reason. And uh, for,
2: for those who haven't seen it, basically, uh, the, 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 the bad guys use a, a sonic weapon to uh, attack a, a police helicopter, which explodes and falls down. There's a cop standing on the street. Uh, Steel runs and pushes him out of the way, but he's clearly like 40 feet away from where that where Miles that, away from it. It's
1: so badly shot. It's ridiculous. And I'm sorry, that cop was cast
2: because he looks kind of like Reginald yeah. L. Johnson. Yeah, because initially, guy. that's what like, he was.
3: <laughs> Yeah,
2: it's nice. I've seen him in... He's in some procedural. Is it CSI, maybe, or Criminal Minds, or something I think like he's that? He think
3: been in a couple of Law and Orders. Um, it probably is. He's probably one of those actors that pops up in a guest spot in each of them.
2: I think he might be a series regular on, on Cold Case, or one of those kind of noddies series, yeah. Like yeah, I say, he's in a couple yeah, of... The, he's in the writer. first
3: two Fast and Furious films. I think he's Ted Levine's partner.
1: Does so he, he play the... Does he play the guy who says... What the, oh, there's that famous line from the first uh, Fast and Furious That's just absolute gold He says something like uh, If we don't take care of this now The truckers will take matters into their own hands <laughs> I think he says that Oh, It's such a good line Fast and I, Furious One.
2: I, I want to talk about another scene that I found really odd And it's the scene where John Henry Irons Goes yes, to yes, a rehab I know this facility is. <laughs> Yes Yes to see, I to, to, to visit, this. to visit with Sparky, because she is in reha- re- kind of rehabilitation for her injuries or whatever, and she's suffering with some depression and she's kind of in this <laughs> kind of manic state. It kind of reminded me of the 1990s It series where yeah. uh, uh, John Boy has to go down the the bicycle yeah. with, the, with the with the comatose girl to, to wake her back. up, to bring her back. Quick and, question before we get
3: into that: Did anybody okay. else think she'd lost her sight?
2: The way she oh, was, so she's just staring, and yeah. her eyes
3: didn't move at all. It's exactly how you play a blind person.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I, it was very strange. But he, he walks into the room <laughs> and he's talking to her, and she's all you know despondent. And he punches the out the window. The yeah, he it's just it, the window. It's, yeah, it's a real shithole kind of a, a the facility. And he kind of punches out the window so that she can see the view outside, or because she's looking at a kind of a dirty window or something. And then he picks her up. <laughs> In her wheelchair. And he's like, you're coming home with me or whatever. And he marches out with her. And everybody else in the place starts she's clapping cheering. and cheering that he's basically <laughs> kidnapping a paralyzed girl she's in a gonna, catatonic state. So well, she's going, I don't want to go. I don't want to <laughs> go. And, go. and then it was like, John, stop, yeah, John, stop, yeah, stop. yeah, you Ooh, do yeah. it, you do it. Yeah, you I'm like, her. what? <laughs> what is going on? It's Thoughts? it's like
1: the movie. the movie is saying, you know, when you go through this traumatic ordeal you don't need time to recover. You just need to go kick up the arse and just, you know, told to book up and get over it. And that's what Shaq tells her to do in this. And he gives this big impassioned speech. And everyone in the veterans hospital agrees on him. It's like, no, this woman doesn't need help. She just needs to, you know, roll her sleeves up and get back out there. You know, it's, it's a real kind of... Sorry to bring politics into this. It's kind of a right-wing mentality. I think it's just that they're, they're, it's kind of all over this movie a little bit. Like there's a bit where he walks into the thing and he goes, "Oh, is this what my tax dollars are paying for?" You know, like yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I thought that scene. <laughs> I I mentioned Incredible Hulk earlier on, and that it was all over. Like it was very comparable. Like there were so many scenes in Incredible Hulk where David Banner would meet like a sick child or. Someone who'd gone through or someone with a drinking problem or someone who like the, in, in the, the TV movie you mentioned, Alan, the one where he dies, the Death of mm. Incredible Hulk. There's a bit where his friend is in a coma and he has to like talk them out of the coma by giving them this impassioned speech about how much they mean to him. And, you know, he only met them like 20 minutes earlier in the TV movie. <laughs> but like and Bill Bixby was great at that kind of stuff. But Shaq, Shaq is, Sha- not, Shaq is not, you know, Shaq is no Bill Bixby. And it's, it, that that was something that they, they said was wrong with this film at the time. A lot of critics compared it to like a, a kind of a cheesy, corny TV movie. And that's totally what this scene is. Yeah, that, it's is that is bizarre. He's complaining about the poor resources. And then he
2: busts a hole in the wall with his super strength. Like Shaq has super strength in this movie, by the way. Yeah, And he just punches it straight out. Like there's like a big hole in the wall where he just punches it straight out. Um, what did you guys think of his uh, steel cave and that whole kind of set up in the junkyard? I
3: actually really liked it. As I said, I really liked it. I love that it's like the phone booth doors to get in and out. And
2: yeah, I, I thought it's it was really nice,
3: inventive. It's, it feels a little bit more like what you'd find in like a child's fiction novel or something.
2: About it, a it kind of gave me like Batman sixty six yeah. vibes or something. That kind of you know the, the 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 way he drives into it because that whole I actually did enjoy that um, motorcycle chasing. Yeah, that was good. It's better than I the foot chase. I,
1: I <laughs> yeah, they, they did. They did kind of. Convincingly, well convincingly with inverted commas. Um they 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 did an admirable job at like portraying him as like a working class superhero who doesn't have any money and like all the technology is just junk that he found in the junkyard that his computer friend is having him fell with. Fell off and, a lorry. Like it fell yeah. off a lorry. Like every everything, even the truck, the motorbike, everything kind of looks a little bit like run down and and like like it came from a junkyard and like even though it's completely ridiculous that she'd be able to do all this stuff in a computer that she found in a in a junkyard, like it's it it's somewhat charming, and I thought that was kind of cool. And again, it feels like a TV show. It feels yeah. like that's the big set that they'd spend the money on. That that you know, like the Arrow Cave yeah. in, in Arrow, or the Wave Rider in Legends of Tomorrow. That's the set that they would do all their stuff in. You know,
2: before they go out and have the the weekly adventure on the backlot. You know. Well, if if this was say in an alternate timeline, this wasn't a a, a film or a, a, a theatrical release or direct to um, VHS release. If this was a pilot to a TV series, do you think it would work as a TV series in the nineties?
1: Do I think it would work, I, or do I think do I would, think I would watch it?
2: <laughs> yeah, I,
1: you, I would be a, I would have been an avid fan of the Steel. TV you would have loved show, it, yes. Rob. I, I you would have loved it. Yeah there's no doubt in my mind it's it's exactly the kind of shit film that i I think if you know something's
3: for tv generally you're a bit more forgiven of it it's like lois and class there's bits in that where you're like yeah but it's for tv so we just accept that it's not going to look as good as it would on film for example they've not got the money kind of thing even as a kid you sort of know the difference between movie good and tv good um yeah Yeah. so i think it would have got it possibly would have been a really highly rated tv pilot
2: yeah, especially in the nineties, like those lines are kind of a bit blurred now with the way TV has kind of really advanced. But like, I love, uh, I love the 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 pilot, the two part pilot for Lois and Clark. It's almost like a, a film in itself. Yeah. But like, if you release that as an actual film in the cinema and some of the shots and you know, like flying oh, yeah, towards the up NASA, up. they wouldn't hold. Yeah, which they were going to do yeah. if the pilot wasn't picked up.
1: They were really? going to release it in. They were going to release it in Europe as a film if if the pilot didn't they used get to do that a lot though, yeah,
3: didn't they? They did, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's eventually what the Flash episodes became and um, going straight to DVDs, mo- uh, straight to videos, movies. Um, the, 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 the Nicholas Hammond
1: Spider-Man was released yeah, as a movie here and the Spider-Man Strikes Back and the Dragon's Challenge or whatever, they were all released as movies. They did it with some Green Hornets as well, didn't they? Stuck them all together and made them movies. Yeah. Um, and I know the Robocop, the series pilot, was released as Robocop 4 in some countries. Yeah, in some Europe of the European well. countries, wasn't it?
0: Um, yeah. So
1: I just had a lightning strike there of fan casting. If this was a TV show, they wouldn't have Shaq. There's no question about that. They would not have Shaquille O'Neal. They could have got Cress Williams, ladies and gentlemen, the guy who played Baron Sunday in Los and Clark. But more importantly, is better known today as Camp the guy lighting. who played Black Lightning. Yeah. He would have been exactly the right age, exactly the right build. He's a great actor. He would have been great as steel can you imagine if
3: steel became a tv series lois and clark ends steel comes on now we'd be having the conversation about yeah your steel show's great and all but it killed my superman show a bit like the superboy (laughs) fans even though superboy allegedly was meant to run for 100 episodes that was always the plan um i asked mike carlin about it and he was like no 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 it was always intended to be 100 episodes to get syndication and then they were going to end it um so i'll take mike carlin's word over what i've read on the internet
1: And if you watch those final few episodes of Superboy, like there's there's like three or four clip shows near the end of season four. Like they were clearly trying to run out that season that, you know, just get to the hundred episodes and call it a day. There was no way it was going beyond that. I'm sorry, guys. I know everybody. I I think the fact it didn't actually
3: really go into syndication in the way that most things go into syndication is what? Yeah. I think it got picked up for a couple of other networks and then everybody dropped it eventually um
1: i i think i think the legal thing that Warner i think that bit is true that warner brothers said no you're not allowed to show this anywhere ever again because we want to do a quality superman show yeah. we don't want people mixing it up I, I i actually think that made sense to do that as well,
3: to well i do you like, don't want a superboy thing kicking around on repeats when you're trying to get your yeah. uh, Lois and clark mm-hmm. universe out there especially as the later seasons of superboy were quite Lois and clarky yeah in the, you know yeah, like yeah when so when it's there, for it's all intents and they were in the, purposes, were name, in the yeah. daily planet and
1: yeah, and Lana and Clark are investigating stuff together. Like, it's it's very, very similar yeah. in those later seasons, stuff. But
3: I, I just like the idea yeah. that there's Lois and Clark, an alternate world universe where Lois and Clark fans are like, yeah,
1: yeah, Steel thing's fine and all,
3: but it killed my show.
1: Imagine, though, if Lois and Clark got cancelled and Steel got picked up and they went, oh, hey, Lane Smith isn't doing anything, ladies and gentlemen. Let's bring him over. Perry White, shared universe. That would have been great.
2: Yeah. That
1: would have oh. been cool. I would have liked that. <laughs> And yeah, Chris Williams was was in an episode. We don't care about that. That's fine. Don't acknowledge that's, it. There's two There's two jimmies. That's Who not cares? a problem
3: at all. The amount of people that were guest spots on various CSIs before becoming yeah. season regulars yeah. on the next series. It's fine. It's fine.
1: And sure, Tom Paris was Nicola Carno on Next Generation. It, there's plenty of examples of that. Don't worry about it. Go
2: There's two things I want to bring up about uh, uh, getting back to Seal. There's two things I want to bring up. Firstly, is that the security in the in the in the jail is ridiculous. All you have to do <laughs> okay. is rob rob a digital signature from the DA and record his voice, and you can get any prisoner you want just released from 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 jail. And the second thing is, why don't any of the criminals in this universe understand how an online an online auction works?
3: Because the internet was a new and mysterious thing.
2: Because it's an onli- they advertise it as an online auction, and they're all like, "Oh, this is the newest thing." This, but then they all go in person to the auction. What's that That's about? That's a great point. I had oh, not thought of that. A <laughs> of years
3: before one of the big movies was The Net, starring Sandra Bullock. This is very much a time where people didn't fully understand what the internet was.
2: Yeah, uh, I was, I was like, "What's going on with this auction?" That two there, years like, later, uh, we got
3: you got mail. Kind of
2: <laughs> <laughs> Alan's
3: enough.
1: all-time favorite movie, Hackers, yeah. with Angelina Jolie.
2: I actually genuinely do love Hackers. I love Hackers as yeah. anyway, I haven't seen Hackers since it came out. I'd say that in the mid-90s, I haven't... Uh, it's one of those films
3: you can kind of... look back on now with Goofy Nostalgia, a bit like this, to be fair. But um, yeah. th- there's a couple of things I, w- I particularly want to ask you a question, Alan. If you've got a civilian man and a civilian child in the back of your police car that you're taken to a meeting, but then you get a call about an armed robbery, do yes. you drop them off before you head to the armed yeah. robbery? Or do you take them with you? Um What's what's the protocol there?
2: Give the kid a gun. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair... There there was a
3: couple of... (laughs)
1: sorry Alan go ahead you, no, your yeah. point is more important than I, mine, I, I so. copped
2: no, Well, first of all I mentioned on another episode one time that we, we don't we, do, we don't do ride-longs we do in Ireland it's not really a thing but yeah like if you were giving a civilian a lift somewhere and there was a call you would drop them off at the side of the road it's kind of like Lois Lane bringing uh, young Jason to Lex Luthor's yacht and Superman yeah. <laughs> returns it's just not a good idea <laughs> to go down and, that route and, yes. and, and sorry th-
1: these are spicy waters and yes we are three pale-skinned patriots on tonight's episode but this is like a couple of years after the LA riots yeah. and you are bringing a black man to the scene of a crime are you joking no yeah. that man is getting shot to death if you bring him there. especially when he's do 7 not foot do 1 that. this perfectly innocent lovely pillar of the community is going to be shot and killed and by so is the kid in the back let's be down. honest he's in the back so of the police kid. car for one, so that's
3: already a, against him
0: and
1: um, like, my, my second
3: question is bits... I'm not sure I'm familiar you are with the maneuvers of a SWAT team but would be like awkwardly smashing through the window and climbing in be your first point of entry.
2: <laughs> uh, I have just just to clarify, I have no SWAT training whatsoever, but uh, I I do work with a couple of guys who do, and uh, yeah, like there was one point where a guy just walks in with a gun and starts shouting at him wearing a SWAT hat on him. Like there, there, the there's there's no one coordination SWAT there. On him <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just like um, the idea he's that yeah, getting no. shown
3: in like SWAT training
2: things. <laughs> training. This is how you, this do, is a how you do it, boys. Steel. Steel. Nineteen ninety seven. Like allegedly,
3: they show heat in like various armed forces for the um uh, scene in LA where they're um firing, it's like one of the perfect examples of it. So, they use that in training things to show people. I just love the yeah. idea of him doing that with steel, just so it's There's steel. a kitchen window that you can awkwardly climb through. <laughs> was he open oh it? man, he didn't even announce what? who he was. Of course, he didn't get the <laughs> no, shit, there yeah, was no. <laughs>
2: he basically just walked like there was one shot where one of them basically just walks into the house and you're like who's this guy and the grandmother starts screaming and um, what I what I really thought was funny or it made me laugh a couple of times whenever that happened was like they have these you know really sophisticated next generation hypersonic weapons that do all this yeah. cool stuff but whenever they fire them it's like they're shooting little firework guns or something it's kind of like <laughs> like it's it's so non-threatening it's so just ugh <laughs> yeah
1: I did kind of like the CGI I want to say was it CGI the, the, CGI? the effect of the kind of shimmering sound wave going through the yeah. I kind of like that they did something similar in one of my favourite underrated so bad it's good episodes of Lois and Clark uh, Wall of Sound uh, the sound man Lenny Stoke uh, when he's kind of shooting his sonic blaster and stuff it's sort of similar in that and Uh, For the Darkman fans out there, Darkman 2, The Return of Durant, there is also a Sonic Blaster, and in the Superboy episode, Luther Unleashed, which is, um, again, starring Alan's favorite Lex Luthor, Scott Wells, Uh, he has a Sonic Blaster in that episode. Uh, And again, similar effect, but I think, of all of them, I think Steel actually did the best job. Is that the
2: way that people just thought things were going in the 90s, that we were all going to be... Sonic Blasters. Like Sonic Blasters was the way to go? True, true. Um, I was impressed actually as well by there's a scene where he's um trying to escape the cops on the bike, and he has the hammer mounted on the front yeah. of the bike. That and was cool, Turns man. it, shoots a laser out of it, which I thought looked great. Um, and it what it cuts open a kind it's of a, like a water tanker, tanker, which has got yeah. a guy
3: stood next to it. If he'd have gone slightly too far, he did cafe attack. Gosh,
1: bit of a Zack Snyder maneuver there, I thought. Yeah, the like very violent death
3: of certain characters. It's like. The two innocent guys in the lift. I mean, I'm assuming they're innocent. They just happen to work in that oh, same building. I really want to know their story. Like, you know, you know. And how how
2: nice of him to pull out the other guy. Yeah. He was like, oh, can I talk to you for a second? And he gets off the elevator yeah. and, you know, he did. Um, th- there's one And thing J-
1: that- Nelson kills General Chang at the end of the movie as well, which I thought was maybe a touch too much murder. He kills the gang member who's dressed like... General Charles bebop from see, I love
3: the fact that he's like oh you know, is I'm either either me betraying way. me? But once I found out that hot dog wasn't turkey, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God, that's what set him off.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I wrote down that line. Uh, Eat the hot dog, don't be the hot dog.
3: <laughs>
2: Weird dialogue. That's
3: that's in the art of war, isn't it?
2: I actually paused it at that line. Reed, and I thought to myself, it's it's the mid nineties. Okay, you're a screenwriter in Los Angeles. And you write that line down or type it out on your keyboard. Do you not have to just kind of look like Joey Tribbiani smelling the fart face up, the, up, up in the air and just think to yourself, am I better than this? No, I think, I think you did that
3: Joey Tribbiani face, but was like, this is my show me the money. <laughs> oh my goodness.
2: Eat the hot dog, don't be the hot dog. Oh. So
3: This is the line they're going to be quoted. It's going to be on inspirational posters in offices.
2: And then I he he follows it up later on when he's like does he turn around and say something like you are, you were the hot dog at some point and oh and we need to talk about that purple gang that purple gang the, like they're all wearing purple one of them the has marks. the marks Has the has the has the eye patch like you know just in case you didn't know that I'm evil? It was like a a David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That gang reminds me of the gang, and to keep going back to it, the pilot episode of The Flash, the ones that kill his brother. Oh, big
2: time!
1: I've I've written down Pike's gang from The Flash (laughs) (laughs) in my notes. (laughs) Like, like it wasn't it wasn't the 1990s unless you had a leather bound gang of motorcycle criminals. Like, did this gang have a name? The Marks. The Marks the marks not to be confused with the Crips or the bloods these are the marks yeah
2: and what was the flash uh, The, the uh, pike pike and his gang he they had a name as well though didn't
1: they I, i'm almost I, sure I uh, that was it this not the splatter punks that was robocop
2: I know, I know they had the blood splatter on the jackets yeah that ah, doesn't matter the dark riders it. the dark, dark riders. riders
3: that's it yeah there
2: that's kind of cool
1: ladies and gentlemen can, can we Duck quickly
3: talk can, um, about the shack foot chase yes yeah is it which one is this now um, after the cop's been injured, is it where he says oh. it's on now or something like that? And then the foot chase. And I mean, yep. to be fair, they couldn't, allegedly, they couldn't get a seven foot tall stump performer to, so Shaq had to do all his yeah. own running. I think the only time it's not Shaq is on some of the long shots of him on the motorbike because it's a guy okay. hunched over so they could get away with it. <laughs> the foot chase, it's so lumbering and the music, even the music and the score is kind of like, really can't be fucked with this. So just whatever slope yeah. it's the fact he gate bolts over the wall as well they taught us to do that in school oh <laughs>
2: really i've never seen a gate bolt
3: used in an action
2: <laughs> but like the score in general even like even the open the very opening credits like when the when you have the credits coming up it's like this mix between a very 90s generic keyboard theme and 70s porn music
3: well i think i think they were going for that quincy young probably and it's i actually quite liked the scene <laughs>
1: I like the teen tune, baby. I do like it. You're whistling. I was whistling it all day after watching this movie today. Bam, bam, bam. Bam, bada, bam Okay, I'll stop now. Let's, let's
2: edit it in here. <laughs> so people yeah. can know what we're talking
1: about. Go, go, going back to weird lines of dialogue, we forgot to mention the very first line of
3: dialogue in this movie I've, is... I've got that written down. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. My ass is on fire. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's made perfection by Charles Napier's work. I thought I could smell nuts roasting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's a double wonder. And
1: then Richard Roundtree gets to say the iconic line, I'll be dipped in shit and rolled in breadcrumbs. (laughs) See, that's my... I wrote
3: that
2: down. I think Roundtree had some of the best one-liners in in the film. He did, did. know. I know that the the one about the shaft was a bit of a stinker, but I I liked it.
1: Yeah, and then I, I... This isn't even that crazy, but... Ray J gets to say, uh, I got all kinds of crazy honey sweating on me, which I thought was <laughs>
2: a perilous sign of things
1: to come in many ways. Um,
2: I, I love how uh, Big Willie's arcade um, company is basically just a, a large room full of like arcade machines with like young kids playing them for some reason. <laughs> love it.
1: Love it. Love it. Again, it's not the 1990s unless arcades skateboards or chewing bubblegum or you know all of these things need to be you know what the villain does you know like in 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 turtles shredder had the big uh pleasure yeah. palace thing where all the kids were smoking cigars and like playing pool and, and just getting up to mischief and you know and pike you know he was serving steaks in his underground neon parlor and yeah, no, it's, love
3: it, absolutely love it It's basically the same as the turtles movie, isn't it? And that He's attracting the kids with the uh, it, Again, it feels very much like a concerned parents group Of being kind of like, oh, you know them video games They're bad for you, there's probably machine guns in them <laughs> They're bad for you yeah, Can, yeah, can we talk
2: for a second about how the plot is basically The same plot as Iron Man?
3: Yeah, that's, that's kind of always been a
1: bit of a problem with Steel Though, like his origin is similar to Iron Man And he's kind of similar to Iron Man Like he's basically the same power set like it's, like he's, he's, a, he's a weapons
2: a, developer Weapons get out there's a, yeah, a crisis armor.
3: of consciousness, you know.
2: Yeah, like there's, it's there's now the only yeah, difference yeah, is he's
3: buried under yeah. rubble instead of being held captive. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, like in in this version again, and I'll refer to, to to you to you guys here. In in this version, like he a, a a big thing that he states a lot at the start is that he wants all his weapons to be non-lethal. Yes, that's yeah. his big thing. Was that the same in the comics? Because that's a big difference, to Tony Stark, because he didn't give a shit who he blew up. No, I think he actively
3: developed the Toastmasters didn't it? It's,
2: yeah, uh, and it, but it was the same
1: thing. They fell into the wrong hands, and the gangs started using them, and he was inspired by Superman to, you know, fight up against the gangs and reclaim. Yeah, it's very similar, monsters. isn't it? It is. Yeah,
3: like it, yeah. I mean, you know. yeah. It even, even as a. Uh, Reading the comics, I was like, This
0: is
1: basically Iron Man. I do, I i have to say though, I do love the character in the comics. I think that's great. I think they did some interesting stuff with him. Wasn't a lot of diversity in comics back then. It was a great way to introduce like yeah. a really iconic character into the Superman lore that was a bit more
3: diverse. And they did some well, it's great because he is the soul of Superman. Yes, I mean, yes. That's, I. Yeah. Mean, talked about on another episode of somebody else's podcast where we we're talking about four supermen but he is uh, that whole idea that he's the walking spirit so superman's taking over his body is how they try and sell him as the yeah. real superman um but just you know he is a guy who is inspired to do good because superman saved his life
1: yeah and, and there's that great bit where lois meets him and she's like oh well are, are you superman he's like no i never said i was superman yeah. i'm just i'm just out here trying to do some good i thought that was cool
2: and and has does Steel in the comics always kinda of stay street level then as well, like kinda of Luke Cage or Daredevil or that? Is he always that? The main kind
3: arc of Steel in the certainly the reign of Superman is him going after the White Rabbit and the Toastmasters. That's his main arc.
2: Okay. Throughout his and then
3: he I can't remember much after he goes off on his own because I started reading them and then I must admit I did drop off after a while.
1: Shout out to Anthony DeSario's uh, podcast, Digging for Kryptonite. They did an episode on Steel, and they had a he had a guest on who was really really well versed in Steel comics, and he said that that run is really really good, the the solo run where Steel is just doing his own thing, and he was saying that it is very kind of street level, very Luke Cage kind of stuff, uh, oh, yeah. and it's well worth to read. And generally now when Steel shows up, he's much more of a kind of uh, like a uh, super duper scientist type guy, whereas he's, before he's he totally was more shot, of a man, He's I mean, Tony Stark he's dealing with like quantum portals and all this kind of stuff and you're like oh this right, might be okay. a bit this is a bit sci-fi now but like back in the day he was much more of a like a just an engineer who worked with you know realistic ish kind of technology and stuff like that and you know very street level adventures that whole run is on DC universe I must give it a read
3: Yeah I did enjoy that Steel Runner comics but my comic shop just stopped getting them Really for I, I think I was pretty much the only one getting them so it just Okay. Dropped off, and then I sort of got into Green Lantern and that. But um, I think he ended up in a wheelchair at one point, and his niece became Steel.
2: And I, I presume in this version, this Shack version, is the last live action, or well, the first and last live action version until Superman and Lois. Is it? Yes. I don't remember yes. any other live action I think version he in up anything in that
3: I've seen. A couple of the cartoons. He's okay.
1: Definitely, okay. In definitely in Justice League Unlimited, limited, yeah. yeah. Um, and he's he's he is in Superman the Animated Series, played by Michael Dorn, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Oh, I know and Michael was,
2: Dorn. I I know Michael Dorn voiced um, Darkside's son. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but did he voice Steel as well?
1: Did he voice Darkseid's son?
2: Not Orion, the the other guy. Um. Okay. Yeah, the, that the, sounds right. I can't think of his name. It'll come to me in a second. I'm um,
1: fairly sure he voiced Steel, and I'm fairly sure the episode was shitty. Uh, I think it would. I think they made them do a Steel episode because the movie was coming out. I might be wrong um but yeah he is in that episode and he looks similar to the way he looks in this movie there's no s there's no cape he's just a guy in a big suit now they do have the full face mask thing as opposed to this where he's got the exposed face but yeah um yeah and then he's in justice league unlimited i think once i actually have the figure of steel that they made for justice league unlimited somewhere
2: and do you have any of the kenner line from this list line
1: why yes, yes, Alan. Yes, I do. I have one right here. Um,
3: I hope it's the Judd Nelson figure. I don't have <laughs> with do a massive leather coat.
1: <laughs> tragically, I don't have the. It, it's amazing that there was there was two very strong live action Lex Luthers in the nineties. Neither of them got a figure, but the no. Judd Nelson character from this fucking movie did. Uh, That's I, I have crazy. this. I have this steel figure. Um, it, it's kind of a. It, it's not the movie accurate one of which there was only one, of course. It's He's wearing kind of more of a gold armor on this one. He looks more like the Guardian. And he has a big shield that also looks like the Guardian's shield. And he has his hammer. And then he has um, he has a separate gun weapon as well that kind of looks like one of the sonic blasters in this, which is kind of cool. But yeah, the, I'm, the figures I'm not gonna go were into, good.
2: I'm not going to go into the Injustice again about how Steel has a line of figures and Lois and, and, and Clark doesn't. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not going down that again. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I, I don't and think Lowe's they, and Clark a
3: that audience to be. <laughs>
2: Oh, I don't think man. they ever saw themselves as the action figure line. No. Oh, what I do no. for a line of figures out of that. But Anyway, I've spoken about it before.
1: Um, they,
2: don't want, they don't want to pay we
1: Will we move on? Um, do, does anyone have any final thoughts before we move into some of the other kind of segments? Um, no. Final thoughts.
3: The final phone call to I, Charles Ray? Napier I quite like. I like the... Uh, oh,
2: they're Charles trying to trace the voice. call. Yeah, the
1: fake Schwarzenegger. Very strange because no, <laughs> it's not very good. Like it's a bad Schwarzenegger It's like, uh oh, you can't find me. Like it's it's a it, you know get a guy who's good at doing Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it feels a little bit like hey. they got
3: a guy from a local talent show just to come in. No,
1: I'm not still. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry, my my Arnold is usually much better than that guy.
3: Sorry about this. But at no point does he um, show him put that cookie down. So, what's the point? Put it down. Put hey, that cookie you, down. I'm a police officer. Hey, okay. Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> hey, sure. So, uh, will we... We're, we're doing something interesting here now with Bibos B-movies where we're going to have a list of awards for every movie we okay. do. So, the first award is the Best Actor Award. Um, Stuart, I'm going to get your vote for the Best Actor for 1997's Steel.
3: Okay, um... I think if we're going, if we were going like overall, it'd probably be John Hawks as the mugger because he's great okay. in that role. But I think if we're going to go for the leads, it's got to be Annabeth Gish, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, an interesting
3: choice. Well, explain your choice. <laughs> <laughs> I just think she does the best with what she's got. Mm. And I mean, you know, she's the president's daughter in the West Wing. So she's got Man, kudos she's, there. She's um, got some
1: pretty stinky lines when she's in the chair and she has to. She be has,
3: around. but I think she does the best with it. I think. Yes. I mean, it's between her and Richard Roundtree out of the main. I don't think Shaq is as bad as everybody makes out to be. He's by no means good. But yeah, I don't think he's anywhere near it. There's a couple of he's got a few stinkers when he like yeah. blows kisses to his grandmother. Just looks us and wrong. I um, think but Shaq... that generally does anyway.
1: Shaq definitely isn't. I, I totally agree. He's not as bad as you kind of expect him to be. And definitely his line deliveries are mostly fine. Like, he definitely hasn't had speech training and, like, he kind of mumbles through some of his lines and you can't always hear what he's saying. But he's generally okay.
3: And he's not, he's like... He's quite completely... good when Judd Nelson says, thanks for sending me out, brother. And he's like, don't come at me with that crap or whatever it is. Yeah, and He actually delivers that line quite nicely. I would like say... Very up and down, but...
1: The, the moments where Shaq looks ridiculous is when he just has to, like, react to something without saying a line and he just gives this big, like, ridiculous kind of... Deer and headlights face like like Richard Pryor in Superman 3 when he opens the suitcase full of booze. It's really just going. Kind of like, it's it, th- those bits are it's, hilarious. It's not
2: his first it's not his first no, movie we were we're He did that Kazam, the that's that's the one that's the film that everybody's kind of this Mandela yes. effect thing where people remember it being Sinbad, but it's not. It's yeah. I'd say he saw um, the script yeah, of Kazam I'd, and went,
1: Oh wow, they're doing a Captain Marvel movie. Sign me up, and then he realized it was nothing to do with that. It wasn't Shazam, it was Kazam. <laughs>
3: I've, I've never seen that. I've uh, never seen the trailer for it. I've, um, I've never I've seen, seen the it. I think no, did no. an episode on it and just the clips from that was enough. The um,
2: I, I did see a lot of shitty Sinbad movies yeah. from the 90s back in the day, though, I have, I have to admit.
1: The Turbo um, Mandal. No!
2: Sinbad but, is yeah, to you know, get I, it.
3: I, I think overall I'd go for
1: Annabeth Gish. <laughs> Alan, who is your choice for the best actor? And you can't vote for Sinbad because he's not in
2: this one. No, he's not. Um, I'd probably have to agree with Stuart in that she seems to kind of be the only one who takes the material a little bit seriously and feels like, I know the thing with the, when she's in the in the wheelchair at the end and she's got the rocket launchers and the booster and stuff is a bit ridiculous not as ridiculous um, as when the chair stands up oh for fuck, no yeah. sorry I sorry. don't think that plays yeah.
3: anywhere near how they think it's supposed to, we're getting spicy again
1: on all Ob- no. Bibos B movies right the fucking scene where she stands up in the wheelchair and he goes in and they have a romantic 1996 hug instead of and everyone is reacting yeah. like they're having this big romantic kiss but they were too they were too cowardly to have a black man kiss a white woman so he just has a little hug with her it's now, so ridiculous i wondered and
2: i wondered about this at the time Absolutely i wondered about that. this because it, it does feel like everybody in the audience is reacting to them kissing each other there is hints of a romantic relationship oh, throughout. More than It's more than hints.
3: It's, 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 they're than blatantly
1: hints. lovers, like, and the movie is too afraid. That they they
2: have, have a Disney Junior hug at the Disney end, Junior. but like, we're thir- guys. We we are thirty years after like Kirk and and uh, Uhura. Like, what do you is know? The what issue the issue is? Here? Is that what the issue is, it's, or was it you, just they wanted to get? It's,
1: do you know what the issue is, Alan? It's it's really interesting that you ask that. It seems based on other TV shows, which were also cowardly in the same way. The, the, they're, they're, the, the, the feeling in the air that I'm getting from a lot of 90s TV, and I watch a lot of 90s TV, it was okay for a white man to kiss a black woman, but I not the it. other way around, for yeah. whatever reason. There was there was the same thing in, here we go again, Beverly Hills 9 of 2 and 0. There was a story arc where Brandon, <laughs> Jason Priestley, a, a pale skinned patriot, as you can find, he starts dating a black woman, and they have a big kiss, and that's all fine. But there's a similar storyline where Donna, uh, played by Tori Spelling, who was the daughter of the executive producer of the show. She starts kind of seeing uh, Cress Williams, Black Lightning. And um, he just suddenly disappears. <laughs> like, they never kiss. They never hold hands. He just gets suddenly written off the show, like, abruptly. Uh, and it's so... It 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 really feels like Aaron Spelling stepped in and went, No, my daughter is not kissing that man.
2: Yeah. And it it, is, it, it is felt special. it felt particularly egregious here. I thought, I, like, it's really because it, it doesn't make sense in, in the scene why everybody is so happy that they're having a hug. It it it's just so
3: they're literally going, ooh, well, yeah, because the idea you think the idea of the chair being able to go up is that she'll be, like be face to face with him, kind of thing. Like, it's building yeah. up. Yeah, to, you know, now we can finally kiss again, and it's not going to look weird and awkward. But I Very think one dark, of yeah. the first exchanges we had online, Rob, was where you made a crack about you know it was illegal in the nineties for. <laughs> interracial and it was one of those things that was like yeah where did you read that <laughs> i was half tired when you did it and you were like oh yeah, no, you i was thought... joking and i was like yeah no that makes sense but it also rings perfectly true <laughs> that there would be a something written in like you know all network guidelines very very strange
2: um i i i think that um annabeth annabeth, annabeth gish, gish, yeah. gish, is it gish i think she's one of the only characters in the film who feels like a real Person, even though some of the things that happen around her are a bit ridiculous, maybe the grandmother as well. Everybody else is a, is a little bit caricature
3: stereotype caricature of an African American yeah. grandmother. Yeah, um, I think yeah. possibly with Annabeth Gish because she's in the wheelchair. There's a certain that adds a certain weight to the character that you kind of have to come at it with. You can't just be yeah flippant with it. I yeah. suppose mm. I think because you're portraying a real. But you yeah, know, but, potential army related. yeah, army-related it's all, uh, yeah. Injury. that's why that scene in the hospital where he carries her out right is so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> but before we move on from Anna the, the, the movie, you, you mentioned that she's kind of uh, his guy, her, his person in the chair, literally speaking. You know, he's, she's in the chair, she's mm-hmm. doing the computer, she's doing all that, right? It's, it's a, it's a real well worn trope of the superhero genre nowadays. But yeah. like in the 90s, that wasn't really the done thing. Like Batman didn't have a guy in the chair. Well, I mean, except for Alfred, kind of in Batman Returns at the end there, like, and like, I know, like Superman certainly never, never did in in, in Lost no. Ark or
2: Superboy or no, it's a real CW kind but, of a...
1: like. In fairness, it is in this movie, but it's also kind of in the Flash show with Tina talking to him through the earpiece. Yeah, and the mask. Who was the first guy in the chair? Was it Tina on the Flash, or was there someone else before her? No, I think it might have been. I think she originally. I can't think of throne. another one. And then this solidified it for the four people and a goat who saw this movie. It solidified that trope.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah,
3: I think Alan's talking. right. that They were going for their Oracle thing, much like Felicity and Arrow was yeah. basically Oracle. Yeah, I
2: really walk. got an Oracle vibe from her. I, I think yeah, that I is really, what they I were really, going
3: for. Because then I, Birds of Prey came a couple of years I, later, didn't it? The TV was, series. Was, was uh, Oracle
1: a thing in the comics? I know Barbara Gordon had been shot in the spine and all that, but well, I suppose she must have been. 19- yeah, because yeah. she, was, she was a As key was, part she in was, Nightfall
3: yeah. for certain bits. Yeah.
1: Yes, you are correct. Yeah. Okay. So somebody did read a comic. Interesting. Um. My best actor of Steel, the movie, 1996. I'm going to go with Charles Napier, man. He's just such a comforting presence. Yeah, Every time I see him in a movie, I'm like, oh, yes, it's that guy. He's great in Rambo 2. He's great in Silence of the Lambs. He is great in all the little bits and bobs of TV. He's in the hippie episode of Star Trek, the original series. Uh, he's not yeah. barely wearing any clothes for most of that episode. He's pretty good in it. Um, he's in everything and he's just good. And God love him. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say Ken Johnson was like, do you know what? I'm gonna give you a bigger role than usual in this movie so that you know he was probably getting paid a day rate, right? so like he was hardly yeah. making millions on steel, but he probably got paid more as a result. No, I,
3: I do like him. He's just very Charles Napier. It doesn't feel like he's stretching himself.
1: That final scene where he's on the phone talking to Shaq on the doing the Arnold's impression or whatever he's just given it loads and God love him and he probably never yeah. got any awards so here he is he's getting the best actor award for the first episode of Bibbo's B-movies here on All Star Superfan well done Charles Napier well he's getting my best actor award for <laughs> um, I
3: was going to say you just overawed us all I do, we, do love his facial expression when she says we've tracked him down to a diner in Cincinnati or whatever and just the look at his face is like oh, for fuck's sake
1: <laughs> the, the, the second award is best cheesy line so a lot of, che- lot oh, of cheesy lines in this movie there, Alan you're ready to go with yours
2: It has to be Don't be the hot dog Don't eat uh, Eat the hot dog Don't be the hot dog Like there's no Like the shaft line Or the man of Steel line, whatever else It has to be Eat the hot dog Don't be the hot dog
1: A good choice <laughs> A good solid Meaty Literally choice uh, Stuart go ahead with your best cheesy line
3: um, I don't know if it's cheesy so much, but I think the best line in the film, which you've already said is the, the, uh, well, I'll be dipped in shit and rolled in breadcrumbs. Good God. That's an amazing (laughs) line.
1: I I would say objectively the best line in the movie is, uh, I designed the hammer. I particularly, I particularly like the shaft. I would say that, but that is not (laughs) my personal bet. My personal best cheesy line was kind of hidden away there. It was during the motorbike chase and Shaq is shouting down the earpiece, uh, Again, I just fucking hate the guy in a chair trope and the superhero shouting into his ear the whole time. He's shouting into his earpiece going, Sparky, Sparky, because he's trying to get her to change the traffic lights so that he can make his getaway or whatever. And you cut to a screen where she's looking at all these red lights on her little uh, sat-nav computer screen thing. And she says, and, you know, she's kind of biting her teeth as she says the line. She says, hey, it's not easy being green.
3: And it's just like, <laughs> oh, that's that's not long after she's done the, um, that's a magnetic personality or whatever it is. Yeah. No. After all the shit sticks to
1: it. Annabelle Gish. My goodness. Yeah, God I love her. Rough, pl- yes. as, as you said, Stuart and Alan, you know, she had some crap that she had to deliver and she, she delivered. So, you know, credit where
2: credit's due. How does one hack into the traffic light system? Oh, yeah. It's a movie trope,
3: isn't it? I don't know.
2: Yeah. Is that even possible in real life, I wonder? I mean, even I, in today's I can believe it age. possibly
3: a bit more now with everything being internet-based, but...
2: In the 90s, traffic... I think, yeah I, I, I think Kit I, did I, it I a don't. lot in
3: Knight Rider as well. and Traffic lights, yeah. Like, aren't it's they It's just automated... one of those weird movie tropes that weirdly means you get through unscathed, but then everybody else piles up after you. Yeah.
1: I was also kind of thinking, and maybe you know, you, you you don't need to think about these things. If she's using all these satellites, is there not a paper trail that will lead back to her? Like, if she's accessing, surely there's a, like there's this login page that you have to get into to access the satellite Again, Surely someone I, will be able to. Um, I
3: don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it back to it was '97. The internet yeah. was a new thing, but nobody fully knew what it was. No Com- computer, yeah. ma- computer magic. Um, Will we
1: do a rating out of five steel hammers that are also gum? Absolutely, um, Alan. What? How many steel hammers would you give this movie?
2: This is a it, this is a tough one because when we decided to look watch this film and review it for Bibo's B movies, I was like, "Oh God, this is going to be rough." And then I was messaging you guys when I was watching it, going, "Guys, I could be wrong." I think I'm enjoying enjoying hmm. Steel. What's what's what is this like? And by the time the film was over, it wasn't half as bad as it is bad. It's not no. it's not a great film, but I had I had fun with it. You know, 25 years later, I had fun sitting down watching it, and uh, it's not getting a five. It's not getting a four. It's definitely not getting a three. I'd say it's between two and two and a half. Respectable uh, enough. I think two. two. Yeah, I think I think I think, considering the, you know the budget, the era that it was set in, I would probably give it a a two.
3: Stuart, how many hammers? Um, again, I think, and I I will preface this by saying that I don't always have the best taste in films. I am. Me and Roger Ebert are like the two only people in the world who enjoyed Speed Two.
2: Um, <laughs> Cruise Control. Again, it's an absolute pile of shit, but I just really enjoyed it. Classic um, movie, that
3: one. I think this film's reputation is a lot worse than it actually is. It feels a lot.
2: Yeah, it,
3: I've got a lot of love for nineties TV, which I think helps. Um, and I did detest this film the first time I watched it. To the and I don't know whether that's lowered my expectations this time, but I actually really enjoyed this. It's shit, and I can't level any form of defence at it. It's yeah. a bit like the Star Wars prequels. It's like, you can come in with everything that's wrong with it and I will not argue with it. But, you know, there are these things that I also enjoy. Um, I think yeah. it's very much a one-star film. but I would give it two hammers. Love it. Right. I, I think it's a two-steel hammer film. I think if you're willing to just go with it and switch off and enjoy it. Mm. it I mean, it gets repetitive a couple of times. It feels <laughs> like the yeah. two steam, scenes with Shrek and people with I mean, out on the street patrol are pretty much identical. Yeah, he takes out the bad yeah. guys or doesn't take out the bad guys gets chased by the police
2: two police chases like in the space the of a couple exactly of minutes exactly the same like, way yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and and the Steel the titular character of the movie he doesn't fully show up as Steel in costume until about 50 minutes into the 90 minute movie again that's why
3: it felt like a TV pilot
2: yeah but but that was common yes, back then as cool. well. Like that was common with like Christopher Reeve. Now the only one like Batman, obviously he, he was eleven yeah. seconds yes. into the film and he turns up as Batman. But it was generally that was kind was of the way, the way it yeah, was yeah. done. They followed that kind of formula, and yeah, um, yeah. That, that that that's a great point you made, uh, Stuart. It, it it is a one. It's a one hammer film but it's, i think it from our point of view as as fans of that kind of genre who grew up in the 90s and were there firsthand to see it i think yeah, yeah it was as a
3: comics fan it's 100% a missed opportunity to do that character justice but at the same yeah. time it's probably the best steel film you would have gotten at the time yeah i think and, if they made a yeah. steel film now it could have been a hell of a lot worse lot differently but
1: and ladies and gentlemen this is the best theatrical theatrically released superman movie of the 1990s <laughs> By yeah. virtue of it being the only what, one.
2: What are you going to give her up?
1: steel hammers for this movie. I agree with absolutely every single word Stuart said. I think it is unfairly maligned. It is not a good movie, but it's also not that bad a movie. Um, I would say, that, you know, this had a $15 million budget. I think eight to 10 of those million dollars probably went to Shaquille needle, So it probably only had a $5 million budget. And with that $5 million, They made a movie that is a bit of fun, charming, and makes you want to be a superhero. And, you know, it, it accomplished things with $5 million that Superman Returns and Man of Steel did not for several hundred million in both cases. For me, anyway. So, yeah.
0: I'm going to give it yeah. three stars. Three hammers. <laughs>
2: what? You're more positive it about it than me? That's crazy. Hammers.
1: It is a crap. But like, do you know what? I would give Superman three, three and a half hammers. And I would give Superman four, four hammers. So you're dealing with someone who is willing to forgive when movies are a bit shitty. And this is a very
2: shitty movie. Uh, Superman three <laughs> is solidly a three and a half hammer movie, if not a Both four. Both
1: keys at the same time. <laughs> I, I think with
3: this film as well, it does have the benefit of having likable characters at the centre of it. Yeah! No, They're characters. Yeah. I mean, the Judd Nelson villain plot is very thin and pretty much non-existent, yeah. there's pretty much zero stakes in it.
1: Poor man's Lex Luthor, yeah,
3: definitely. But, I think, I, I like the John Henry character, I don't even mind the stupid basketball things, I 100% get what they were doing, it's a bit like the first season of Lois and Clark where they seem to find different reasons for Dean Kane to do a sport in the opening.
1: And on the basketball thing, I meant to say earlier on. Fair play to Shaquille O'Neal, the height of his powers, the height of his success, and he was still willing to make fun of himself. He was still yeah. willing to poke fun at the fact that he, that couldn't, he couldn't make free, free throws. Free throws. That, you know, fair play to him. You know, when you consider the, the amount of control he probably had over this film, like he could have easily said, "No, you're not doing that joke. No, absolutely not." Like we look yeah. at Black Adam, which is currently out at the moment. Look at look at the mess the Rock creates for writers because he. He won't allow them to let him lose a fight in a film, you know. Like, well, yeah, because that, that was the whole thing.
3: with One of the Fast and Furious films, wasn't it? Because he yeah. can't be seen to lose a fight, and Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel yeah. can't be seen to lose a fight. So it's like, how do we pit these two against each other? Oh, so, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: hats off to Shaquille O'Neal, or or rubber steel mask off to Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> um, yeah. So I look, I, I, if if nobody else has anything to say about the nineteen ninety seven classic, with it with a capital C. Uh, Steel Uh, I think we can just about Wrap it up For this week's episode Of Bibbo's B-movies Here at All-Star Superfan Alan would you like To give the socials One more time And we'll call it a night
2: yeah, absolutely. Just before we finish up, just in case anybody wants to watch the film um, and just want to order it on DVD or whatever, um, you can get it on YouTube. I think it's two ninety nine to rent it on YouTube. Um, I know, Stuart, you had a rough time getting it. You, I've got you, it. I've been you, assured you it isn't a pirate. Getting...
3: It's just that Warner Archives do really shitty jobs on their uh, made on demand <laughs> <You>, discs. <laughs> but.
2: Ste- uh, Stewart contacted us after he ordered it and it was full sure that he he had uh, been scammed and been given a pirate the quality a copy.
3: It does look like somebody printed off in their bedroom, <laughs> but I've been assured that it's genuine. So, And the picture quality on the disc is fine. So. We should point out as well, by the way, that
1: this film is available pre owned on VHS on www.ebay.com. And in many ways, that is the best way to watch it. Just make sure you also Probably have a time better.
2: machine and go back to 2001. I, I presume it's only a matter of time before we get the news about the 4K release oh, yeah, as well. Definitely. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> um everybody, thanks a million for listening. Uh Stuart, thanks Thank for coming on. on. It's uh, it's it's been great to finally have you on. I know Absolutely. we've been we've been on and why not yeah. a few times, so it's been great to, to have you on. Stuart, before we go, do you want to tell us what's coming up on and why not? Um depending
3: on when this is coming out, we've got <laughs> um at the time of recording, the next one out is In the Mood for Love. Then I've got the Death of Superman on film special with, I can't remember the name of the guests on it. Um, <laughs> uh, I think they've got on Superman podcast. Um, yeah, it's it's you two gents. Uh,
2: <laughs>
3: then, I can't remember. Oh, Masters of the Universe is after that. Oh, and then we go into our, oh,
2: god, I would love then, to have done that one.
3: Then we go into our Christmas special. So it's Batman Returns for our 50th episode, because I love Batman Returns. So, oh, that's going to be um, great. We're doing one looking at three different depictions of Santa on film, so Santa Claus the movie, The Santa Claus and The Christmas Chronicles um, wow. and then to round out the Christmas ones we're doing National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation awesome. and then I'm doing a Films of the Year episode oh. where I'll run down my ten favourite films of the year that I've seen. Uh,
2: National uh, Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is one of my oh. number one Christmas movies, so I know everybody's like home alone and the, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is always yeah. my go-to a Christmas that,
3: Batman Returns and Die Hard are the three I watch every Christmas, and we watch Elf every year, we put the tree up that's lovely so that's our tradition but yeah and you can find us on all the usual pod places and why not um i went for a gen- fairly generic name i realized when you searched in but yeah if you search in and why not it-, it should come up now on the top of most of them
2: so. <laughs> i i was on there um last year earlier or this year, this year, year star or we, trek six earlier this year star trek six i really enjoyed that it was so nice to talk about but, something completely different. i realized i need to get
3: rob on to actually talk about a film that he picks because <laughs> so far oh. you've been on with two films that i've like had in a long list so dick tracy and taffin i was
1: delighted to talk about taffin (laughs) i went on some serious rants on that movie (laughs) that was a great that was great fun uh well yeah listen thank you so much jerry you've been a great um advocate of the podcast you've been you've been great to us on social media so thank you it's been great to finally have you on uh we're looking forward to a couple of good stuff coming up more stuff coming up between now and christmas time um but that's just about all we have for tonight alan
2: yeah absolutely so everybody take care stay safe stay super bye-bye y'all be cool now (laughs) (laughs) throw it in there somewhere (laughs)